are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, take your Bible this morning. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 9, please. The book of Hebrews chapter number 9. It's been good to be in church today. Thank you for that good singing and the good truths and the songs. I'm glad God delivers us. And one of these days we'll go to a place where there is no more night, no more pain, no more parting, no more sin, no more Satan, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more sorrow. Amen. It's going to be good over there. We got all of this in heaven too to look forward to. Isn't God good to us? It's nice to see everybody with no mask on today. Isn't that a blessing? We can breathe again and smile and react and sing and... What are we going to do with all those extra masks? I don't know, maybe if you have like a table that wobbles, we could prop up a leg with them. There's some other things I can think about, but anyway, I'm not here to preach on that. Uh, take your Bible, Hebrews chapter number 9. We're going to begin reading in verse number 6. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture, and uh, then I'll give you the thought for this morning. If you're able to stand in the tents, please stand with me in the chairs. <clears throat> Let's stand out of reverence for the Word of God. It's good to have everybody on the property today. I know Brother Manuel came back and mentioned to me, we have cars all the way around. There's no more places to park them. If they're listening from around the building, they can't see a thing, but they're watching on their phone or listening on the radio. Thank you for being here. If that's you and you're just listening, you're our uh, you know, honored guest today to be sitting that way, and we appreciate that very much. And I'm glad God can speak to you around the corner. He can speak to you under the tent. He can speak to you in the open air. He can speak to you in the car as soon as you wake up. Say amen right there. But uh, Hebrews chapter number 9. All right, Verse number 6, now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices, that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances, imposed on them until the time of reformation. I like these first two words. But Christ, being come an high priest of good things to come, by greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Look at verse number 22. The Bible says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Hebrews chapter number 9 is basically a dissertation by the writer on the superiority of the New Testament blood to the Old Testament blood. The Old Testament sacrifice could never make a man perfect. It could never take his sin away. It could never clean his conscience, if you will. But the bringing in of a better hope did. And that bringing in of a better hope was brought in by better blood. There's a big difference in Old Testament blood and New Testament 
blood. For a little while this morning, I want to take those two words, and that'll be the topic of the message this morning, the title. I want to preach on this thought, better blood. If you took the blood out of your Bible, that's why we don't use an NIV or an ESV or a whatever else IV. We use a King James Bible because it does not attack the doctrine of the blood of Christ to atone for sin. If you take the blood out of your Bible, it's not worth the paper that it's written on. But I'm glad we have a book from front to back, cover to cover, is filled with that blood. Let's pray. We'll get in the message this morning. Lord, I pray for power, of course, to preach. I need it. I pray you'd help me to lift you up most of all. I pray you'd be seen today, glorified and magnified and honored. I pray if there's one here yet that's yet to be cleansed, washed in your blood, I pray today they'd be born again. I pray as Christians that we would rejoice in our own salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. From the opening chapters of the Bible, a great emphasis has been placed upon the essential aspect of the blood. In fact, our Bible tells us the life of the flesh is in the blood. By the way, isn't it amazing how this old, antiquated, and outdated Bible that many say needs to be revised and updated has beaten science to the punch over and over again? They try to tell us, you Christians ought to catch up with science. I tell them, let your science try and keep up with our Bible. God has made man acutely aware of the importance of the blood. Blood is vital. Blood is necessary. Blood is essential. The blood in your body is the sustainer of your physical life. If you study blood, you find that blood has several different roles that it plays in our body. You can survive with just one eye. You can make it with less than ten fingers. You can live on with just one lung. But you must have the blood. As I was studying for my message, I was studying the subject of the blood. And I found several interesting things about human blood. Right now, the one and a half gallons of blood that is coursing through your body is doing some amazing things. First I read and I found that blood is considered a connective tissue. Blood is the only fluid connective tissue in the body. Your blood is formed with, uh, filled with formed elements and those formed elements are suspended in plasma. And then it runs from side to side and top to bottom in your being and it holds it all together. I think we could say it like this, without the blood, we'd all fall apart. It's the blood that keeps life intact. Our blood is a connective tissue. Not only that, but secondly, it's the blood that carries oxygen to the body. Your blood is both the track and the train that delivers oxygen to every part of the body. The blood is that delivery truck that drops off that life-sustaining and life-giving element to the body. It's the blood that gives oxygen to the heart and blood that gives oxygen to the lungs and blood that gives oxygen to the brain. So it's the blood that holds life together. It's the blood that gives life to every part of the body, but not all. Thirdly, I found that blood removes the carbon dioxide from our body. 
Carbon dioxide is that which would pollute or poison your body. Our blood acts as that escort that removes that filth, that waste, that poison, if you will, from the body. So not only does the blood keep us alive, not only does the blood keep us from falling apart, but the blood keeps us clean. It cleanses the carbon dioxide from the body. And fourthly, I've found that's not all the blood does. The blood delivers nutrients to the body. All of the aminos and minerals and acids, all the glucose your body needs to grow gets to your body by the blood. The blood supplies every need. It supplies the need of the heart. It supplies the need of the muscles. It supplies the needs of the brain. So it's the blood that pumps life to the body. It's the blood that holds everything together. It's the blood that keeps us clean. And it's the blood that provides and supplies for our life. But that's not all. I found out the blood regulates the temperature of the body. Your blood serves as an internal thermostat that regulates the temperature of your body. I can say it like this. Without the blood, you're either going to freeze or you're going to burn. You have to have the blood. One final thing I'll mention about the blood by way of introduction is that our blood is a healing agent. Now you know this firsthand. If you've ever scraped your knee or cut your finger, you know as that red blood runs from your body, it begins to clot and clog up that wound and forms a scab. So the blood heals externally the wounds you can see. But that's not all. The blood also heals internally the wounds you cannot see. In your blood are those white blood cells that attack all the disease and pathogens and viruses and diseases that would try and kill the body. So the blood works on the outside to heal the wounds that we can see, but also works on the inside to heal the wounds that she cannot see. Can I say the blood that courses through our body today is wonderful blood. It's a delivering blood. It brings nutrients to the body. It holds the body together. It regulates our temperature. It's protecting life-sustaining blood. The Bible's right. The life of the flesh is in the blood. But today I want to remind you that there is better blood. There is blood that is better than the blood that courses through our physical body. There is blood that provides better life. There is blood that provides better supply. There is blood that provides a better cleansing. There's a blood that provides a better healing. There's a blood that holds it all together. Today our blood is amazing blood, but I want to serve notice to all the world that there is better blood. If you study your Bible, you'll find the blood. There's a crimson river that runs from the spring of Genesis to the culmination of Revelation. God reveals to us through his book that blood is not just vital for your physical existence, but blood is absolutely vital for your spiritual existence. You look through the pages of scripture and you find the blood. You find blood is shed for malice and blood is shed for mercy. Blood is shed by sin and blood is shed for sin. Blood stains the sandy soil of the battlefield, but it also runs across the stone table of the altar. As the history of man unfolds and his pursuit begins to regain fellowship with God, it's written in colors of red as we find that blood is the only key that can unlock our gateway back to God. It was God himself that set the precedent in the Garden of Eden as God instituted 
instituted the principle that only the blood can atone for sin. Adam and Eve sinned and tried to cover sin their own way. And I want you to know it never has worked and it never will work when man tries to cover his sin his own way. So God made a way. God provided skin to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And in the providing of that skin, it means an animal had to die. God offered the first sacrifice for man. And in the offering of that sacrifice, blood was shed. In our text chapter verse 22, we find that definitive statement that tells us it takes blood to atone or pay for sin. Look at your Bible. It says that almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. That little word no makes it plain in bold language that no sin ever has ever will or can be paid for without the blood. Man can work at it but there's no remission without the blood. Man can try his best but there's no remission without the blood. Man can hope but there's no help without the blood. Man can try to change his character but there's no remission without the blood. Now listen I said earlier our blood is the supplier our blood is a life giver our blood holds everything together our blood is a healer but there is better blood don't forget it is blood that God says atones for sin in the Old Testament, we see the truth unfold. Full unfold as Abraham is told to take his son Isaac and offer him upon an altar. God had promised Abraham he'd make of him a great nation and he gave him a son of promise. Abraham takes his son by faith and they march together up Mount Moriah. Isaac has the burden of his own sacrifice upon his back. He's carrying the wood up the mountain. He builds the altar from that wood and then Isaac is bound and laid upon the altar. Abraham knows no doubt, with his heart quivering in his breast, yet faith strong in the Lord, took his knife and began to drop it down toward the chest of his dear son. But what a great story as that knife was a hair's breadth away from the breast of Isaac. Providentially, Abraham sees a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. That ram had been provided by God to die in the place of Isaac. Abraham goes and gets the ram. He takes Isaac off the altar and puts the ram on the altar. And blood is shed for Isaac. But can I say, there is better blood coming. In Exodus, Israel is in bondage for 400 years. They're making bricks for Pharaoh. The Gentile king won't let God's people go. There's been miracles and plagues and a contest, but the straw that broke the back of Pharaoh is the death of every firstborn in Egypt land. That awful army of death would march down every avenue in Egypt and beat its terrible drum and sing its horrible song and the firstborn of every family and the firstborn of all livestock would be dead. But it didn't happen to God's people. You say why? Because every family in Israel had taken a lamb, a spotless pure little lamb, and they slew that lamb. They killed it. They took the blood of that lamb and they put it on the doorpost and the lintel of their house. And when death saw the blood, it was restricted. It was held back and it passed over them. Why? Because the 
blood, but there is better blood coming from Sinai. The Levitical system was instituted. The priesthood was established. The tabernacle was built and later the temple. Now every day, the blood of bulls and goats and sheep and birds was shed incessantly and offered by a mediator to atone for the sins of God's people. Every day, animal blood was shed. Every day, animal life died for human life. Every day, a crimson river rushed through the culture of Israel. But there is better blood coming. Once a year, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies and offer a blood sacrifice for himself and the sins of his nation. On the day of atonement, the sin offering was given. The sin offering was offered for priest, prophet, and people. Why? Because all had sinned. Every year, the blood was shed as a stinging reminder that that sacrifice could never atone for sin in full. God had a remembrance of their sin made every year on the day of atonement. But there's better blood coming. There's blood that's better than the blood of goats. There's blood that's better than the blood of bulls. There's blood that's better than the blood of sheep. There is blood that's better than the blood of birds. There's blood that is better than animal blood. There's blood that is better than temporal blood. There is blood that's better than Old Testament blood. There's better than blood than the Old Testament sacrificial blood. There's blood that's better than Mount Moriah's blood. There's blood that's better than Passover blood. There's blood that's better than the day of atonement's blood. There is better blood than the doorpost blood. There's better blood than the tabernacle blood. There's better blood than the temple blood. Blood has been shed ever since sin entered into this world. But as you journey from the Old Testament and make your way to the new, you're introduced to some better blood. There's a red river that runs from Genesis to Revelation. It might run deep in the Old Testament, but it runs sweet in the New Testament. The theme of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better. The writer of the book repeatedly shows us that Jesus is better. You read through the book and you find Jesus is better than angels because he gave them their life. He's better than creation because he's the creator. He's better than Abraham because he's the I am. He's better than Canaan's rest because he gives heavenly rest. He's better than the law because he satisfied the law. He's better than the Old Testament priest because he's an eternal priest and he's better than the Old Testament because he's the mediator of a New Testament. The first covenant could never make its adherence perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, and it was brought in by better blood. Every drop of Old Testament blood was a foreshadowing message. Better blood's coming. Every time a sheep died, every time a goat was killed, every time a bull was offered, every time a dove died, it was a message that better blood is coming. Hebrews 10, verse 3 and 4. Look at it with me in your Bible. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Just as it's impossible for sins to be forgiven without blood, it is equally as impossible for the blood of animals to forever atone for sin. Think of the futility every day. Think of the futility every year of buying a sacrifice, offering an altar and it can never take your sins away. But there's better blood coming. 
Imagine in your mind the thousands of animals sacrificed, maybe a million every year. See the long lines of offers as they stand and bring their temporal sacrifice to a sinful priest to offer an atonement that can never make them perfect. How hopeless, how helpless, how horrible. Imagine the acres of gore, the piles of carcasses, the oceans of blood poured out upon Old Testament soil and it happened over and over and over again because of sin. No matter how deep the blood level rose, it can never reach deep enough to remove the stain of sin. Modern archaeologists have unearthed heaps of millions of animal bones outside of these ancient Israeli cities. Bones piled high where millions of animals died. Bones by the yard. Those animal sacrifices might have extended God's mercy, but they could not ensure God's mercy. The earthly mercy seat was more of a bandage than it was a balm. It was more of a seat of appeasement than it was a place of true reconciliation or atonement. It was just a shadow waiting for substance. But thank God today there's a better mercy seat. And it's been covered by better blood. There's a better blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the offerer bought his sacrifice. In the New Testament, the sacrifice bought us. In the Old Testament, you would find the Israelites to leave Egypt behind, had to cross through a Red Sea to exit bondage. Can I say you and I have to cross through our own proverbial Red Sea to leave the bondage of sin? Here in Hebrews chapter 9, the truth is put before us in plain language. The Old Testament blood can never take away our sin problem. The Old Testament blood leaves you in Egypt, but there's better blood. The blood of bulls can't break the chains of sin. The blood of sheep can't remove its shackles. The blood of goats can't loosen its grip. We had to have better blood. I looked up that word better, and here's what it means. Exceptional, superior, fitter, more desirable more suitable so we can say this God provided some superior blood God gave us some higher quality blood God gave us some more desirable and more suitable blood we find it in verse 11 and through verse 14 that we read look at what it says but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once in the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us he's already said Jesus is better than the angels he's better than creation he's better than Moses he's better than Abraham and now he says all of that is possible because Jesus shed better blood in the Old Testament the sheep died for the shepherd but now the shepherd dies for his sheep no longer does the priest minister at the altar but now our priest got on the altar both offer and offering for us in verse 9 of our chapter the whole part of the, the whole portion of Old Testament sacrifice is referred to as a figure it's just a shadow it's just a foretelling but when Christ came that shadow gave way to substance that figure gave way to the actuality at Calvary the figure took form now I said it was blood that holds life together it is blood that supplies the need it is blood that pumps life to the body it is blood that keeps us from burning it is blood that heals in 
inwardly and outwardly. But today, there is better blood in the spiritual sins. Animal blood can't hold a life together. Animal blood can't keep a life from dying. Animal blood can't heal within and without. But there is better blood. The first two words of verse 11 tell us the source of that better blood when it says, but Christ, like a neon sign glowing off the pages of the Bible, the Bible declares, but Christ, but Christ, that's what brought grace to us, but Christ, that's what brought hope to us, but Christ, that's what brought healing to us, but Christ, that's what brought salvation to us, but Christ, Old Testament animal blood, that's not God's blood, but New Testament blood is God's blood, He came and died for us, shed His blood on the cross, no more sheep, now it's but Christ, no more bulls, now it's but Christ, no more goats, now it's but Christ, no more piles of bones and acres of gore, now it's but Christ. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and now he's obtained eternal redemption for us and as equally true as it is as it is without the shedding of blood is no remission. It is just as true that with the shedding of Christ's blood there is remission. He's better than Abraham's ram. He's better than Passover's lamb. He's better than the high priest bull. He's better than the Old Testament sacrifice. He's got a better priesthood and a better covenant. And it's all ushered in by better blood. At Calvary, the events preceding it and then at Calvary, better blood was provided for us. Throughout the Old Testament, the mercy seat cried out for sacrifice. The priest would offer a sacrifice and they'd cry out, Sacrifice! insatiably, had an appetite for blood. But in the New Testament, when Jesus died for us, the mercy seat in heaven no longer cried out sacrifice, it cried out satisfied. As Jesus atoned for us eternally. See Jesus in your mind. Slow down with me and let's think about this as the testator is about to die to enforce his testament. The world might ask us why the cross But we can respond and say, because we had to have better blood. Jesus came to make a way for unrighteous man to be wrapped in the righteousness of God. This better blood freed us from the futility of sacrifices and the inefficiency of works and the hopelessness of dead religion. He died and shed his blood to redeem our soul. Now we don't have to go to Mass every Sunday. We don't have to try to keep the law. We don't have to be a good enough person. The blood of Jesus Christ settles the sin question. As Jesus prayed and that bald blood rolled down his brow, it was better blood. As Jesus was beaten and the blood poured out of his nose, it was better blood. As Jesus was smacked and the blood formed about his lips, it was better blood. As Jesus was scourged and those furrows dug in his flesh, it was better blood. As Jesus was crowned with a thorny crown, the blood that sprung forth was better blood. As Jesus was nailed to that cross, those nails to the augers that dug our well of salvation and it brought forth better blood. We're going to go to heaven one day. Why? Because of better blood. We're children of God. Because of better blood, the wrath of God is gone. Because of better blood, we have fellowship again. Because of better 
better blood. We have access to the throne because of better blood. We're saved because of better blood and justified because of better blood and grafted in because of better blood. We're adopted because of better blood. We're forgiven because of better blood. His blood is better. It's powerful. It's pure. It's perpetual. Thank God his blood covered it all. Better blood. You see, why do you make a big deal about the blood? Because without it, I'd be going to hell today. And without it, you'd be going to hell today. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist. I'm going to heaven because I'm blood washed. This better blood converts. It cleanses, it covers, and it keeps. This better blood saves. It's sinless and it's sufficient. I've had people say, how are you so sure you're saved if that blood was shed so long ago? It was shed so long ago. How can you be so sure you're saved and kept saved today? Now, if I was relying on an Old Testament sacrifice, then I'd be worried about it. Because in the Old Testament, when those animals died and their blood was shed, their blood was shed, ran down into the dirt and dissipated, evaporated, soaked into the soil. Not one drop of bull blood or goat blood or sheep blood or dove blood has ever made it to heaven. So how do you know you're saved and how do you know you're kept and how do you know you're secure? Well, if I had that old blood, I wouldn't, but I got better blood. Why is it in the Old Testament the saints went to paradise and not to heaven? You say, where was paradise? Where do you think it was? In the heart of the earth. When Abraham died, he went, or whenever Lazarus died, he went to Abraham's bosom in the heart of the earth. There's a great gulf fixed. He looked across and he saw the rich man there in that lake of fire. Why did those who were redeemed, if you will, go just to paradise in the Old Testament? Because they could only get as far as their blood had gotten. Their atonement was made by bulls and goats and sheep and dove. So they could just travel as far as their blood. Now, how is it in the New Testament we don't go to paradise, but we go to heaven? i tell you how it is. Better blood came. When Jesus died on that cross, whenever those thorns were pressed in his brow, when that scourge ribboned his back, when the smacks brought blood from his lips, that blood didn't fall and evaporate in the soil. That blood didn't dissipate in the dirt. That blood wasn't lost as a relic to history, but that blood is still somewhere today. You say, what's it mean? What do you mean? Well, when Jesus went down into hell for us, got the keys of death from the devil, he took all those Old Testament saints and he led captivity captive. He took them from earth to eternity. He took them from paradise to heaven. You say, how in the world did he make it up there? I tell you how he made it up there. He made it up there because the blood made it up there. Jesus went into the Holy of Holies. He didn't go into the Holy of Holies on earth. He went to the Holy of Holies in heaven, not without blood. He walked in there with his blood, not the blood of a bull, not the blood of a goat, not the blood of a sheep, not the blood of a lamb. and he put that blood on the mercy seat and he ever liveth now to make intercession for us that blood in heaven speaks for us every time our adversary accuses us our blood advocates for us our savior walks him over to the mercy seat and says there it is there's that blood and thank God I'm saved and I'm kept saved why? because my atonement is in heaven on the mercy seat to stay better blood When that spear pierced Jesus' side, that's the epitome of what our sin did to our Savior. 
What meant that spear? The blood. When those thorns were pressed into his brow, that's a picture of what our sin is doing to our Savior. What meant the prick of those thorns in his brow? The blood. When that scourge began to eat into his back, a picture of our sin and what it was doing to our Savior. What meant the scourge as it dug into his flesh? His blood. Every bit of sin, every act of sin, met by that better blood. You know what that tells me? Your sins can be forgiven because Jesus paid for your sins on Calvary. But not only that, your sins can be forgotten. Gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. In the Old Testament, God separated your sin as far as the east is from the west. In the Old Testament, God buried your sin in the deepest part of the sea. But in the New Testament, Jesus Christ literally became your sin for you. And when he died and went to hell, he took your sin and left it there. Say amen right there. It's gone, gone, gone. Yes, your sin is gone. And lastly, your salvation can be forever because of that better blood. If you're today and you're not saved, you'll never get to heaven without the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're today and you're hoping in your denominationalism, Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, whatever, your good works, you'll go to hell. Not just you, I would too. Doesn't matter who you are. He said, but I've been baptized. Doesn't matter. He said, but I, I've been confirmed. That doesn't matter. He said, but I'm a good person. That doesn't matter. Jesus paid it all. And all to him we owe. Our sin had left that crimson stain, but here's what he did. He washed it white as snow. If you're today and you're not saved, you understand this. Jesus died for your sin on that cross. Why did he shed that blood? Because you sinned and had to have someone pay for it. And by faith today, if you just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But I believe you did die and shed that blood for my sin. And you would just ask him to forgive you of your sin and be your savior. He'd save you like that. You could take one minute of your time, ask Jesus to save you and have eternity with him in heaven. If you're today and you're a Christian, I told Brother Martinez, I said, the problem with most Christians is they're asymptomatic with their salvation. We talk about asymptomatic with COVID. They've got it. They're carrying it, but you can't tell. Most Christians I know are asymptomatic with their salvation. They've got it and they're carrying it, but you can't tell. And I want to ask you, if it's been a while since you just came to an altar and said, thank you, Jesus, today's a great day to come to an altar and say, thank you, Jesus. You ought to be in hell and so should I, but we have all of heaven to look forward to because of better blood. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.